0: The following is a production of JSC Media. Stay, Stay ready. ready. You're listening to the People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. All right. Just gonna uh. Just gonna cut the bullshit here, and let's get right to it. This is um. It's Jay Scott Confidential, Jay Scott Smith here, just checking in. And uh, I'm kind of at a loss for words. I'm not coming to you today as a journalist. I'm not coming to you today as a professor. I'm not coming to you today as someone who's worked in retail. I'm not coming to you as someone who's worked in radio. I'm not coming to you as someone with a master's degree in journalism. I'm not coming to you as someone with a bachelor's degree in interpersonal communication. I'm not coming to you as someone who has worked as a news writer for years in major in major markets and major papers. I'm not coming to you as someone who doesn't have a criminal record. I'm not coming to you as someone who came from a two parent household. I'm not. I'm not doing this as somebody who has accomplished a lot of things in his life and covered major events. I'm not doing this as someone who would be a quote-unquote role model to so many people. I'm not doing this as anything else. I come to you today as a black man because regardless of any of the things I listed there, I'm a black man first. It's what I always have been. It's what I always will be. I often will remind people of that, that I will always be a black man first. It should say something that this society, particularly in the United States, will love to remind me of such that regardless of anything I accomplish, regardless of what I wear, where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I've done, what I plan to do in the future, I'm always going to be a black man. And I don't say that negatively because I have great pride in that. I do. Even if I live in a country that seems to think I'm not worth much. If you're watching on the video feed, I've got a notepad in my hand. Emmett Till. Rodney King. Malice Green, for those of you from Detroit, like me, you know that name. Amadou Diallo. Shot 19 times. They had 41 opportunities. They hit him 19 times. Sean Bell, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner, and more recently, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. And those are just the names off the top of my head. Being black in America, being a black man specifically in America, is very 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 exhausting and scary. And we have to live with this every day. Seeing the video of George Floyd being killed by a police officer. Let's let's cut the let's cut the BS. This isn't allegedly or appears to be. There's a video that shows a cop putting his knee into the back, into the back of the neck of a man, who was handcuffed on the ground, and pleading for help. A man older than me, bigger than me, who apparently moved to Minneapolis to try to get his life restarted. He's dead, killed in the middle of the street, as other officers stood around and watched, with smug looks on their faces. This is all over the last just few days. It's happened so rapid fire that you almost forget about Ahmad Arbery and Breonna Taylor, who were more recent cases of black people being taken out for no good reason, whether it's by vigilante justice with big ass quote marks over it or by the police keep it real. And don't come at me with that, but the police have a difficult job and it's not all cops. Trust me, I know. My father was a cop for 33 years. And on this podcast previously, mind you, we've talked about these things. Philando Castile is another name. Philando Castile, in the early days of this podcast, was one of the early episodes I did. It was episode 13, from what I recall shortly after that occurred, in the Twin Cities. So we're revisiting an area where this has happened before. And that police officer was acquitted after he murdered Philando Castile. You have to understand, I grew up with a cop in my house. Previous episodes I've talked about being trailed and harassed by police officers. And I've also talked about the story of when I turned 16 years old in 1995 day I got my driver's license my dad who helped me help teach me how to drive tells me he gives he gives me the talk that every black male gets in his life because every black male pretty much from about the age of 6 to 90 has an instance where you're made to feel you're not supposed to be someplace and someone will either call the police or the police will just show up to remind you and you have to have a talk when you're 13, 14, 15 years old, 12, 11. Sometime in your teen years, you're going to get this talk from a parent, whether it's your mother, your father, your grandfather, grandmother, aunt, uncle. My dad being a cop was in a special position. Told me straight up, this is what you do if a cop pulls you over. Or this is what you do if a cop runs up on you and demands to see ID," Because that was a thing, and that still is a thing. They'll just run up on you and demand a CID. There's a habit in Detroit, especially in the 90s, where they would just pull up in front of your house and start demanding ID. Even if you were just sitting on your porch minding your own business. Here's what you do if a cop runs up on you. And he would break this down for me. And at the end of it, and these are words that didn't quite register with me at just turned 16 years old. But it registered with me Pretty quickly after the fact. I know what they'll do to you. So here's what you've got to do to get home. I know what they'll do to you. So here's what you got to do to get home. The names that I listed there didn't make it home. In the case of Brianna Taylor, she wasn't home. Ended up dead. George Floyd lost his life over the alleged charge of passing a bad check or a fake $20 bill or whatever the hell it is. These cops saw fit to strap this man up in handcuffs, throw him on the ground, and put their knee into the back of his neck for nine minutes. Nine minutes. John Jones... The UFC champion tweeted this out about that chokehold, because that's what it was. It was a chokehold with the knee, called a blood choke. And he said in the tweet, I'll paraphrase it, that he held him in that chokehold for nine minutes. Maybe he was alive for six. The thing about all of this, is this this is just so damn exhausting. It's so goddamn exhausting. I'm tired, and so many of us are as well. We're all tired of this. We're living in a year where a disease like COVID-19 has killed more than 100,000 people. And a large number of them have looked like me. We're living in a country that for years has tried to find excuse after excuse after excuse to harass, assault, and kill people who look like me. And there will always be someone trying to justify it. And I'm tired of it. And so many of us are too. And if it wasn't Minneapolis, it would be Baton Rouge, Louisiana. If it wasn't going to be Baton Rouge, it could be Miami, Florida. If it wasn't going to be Miami, Florida, it's L.A. If it's not if it's not L.A., it's Gary, Indiana. If it's not Gary, Indiana, it's Flint, Michigan. If it's not Flint, Michigan, it's Detroit, Michigan. If it's not Detroit, Michigan, it's New York City. If it's not New York City, it's Seattle, Washington. Or it's Baltimore. Or it's St. Louis. Or it's Dallas or Houston or Austin. Could be Omaha, Nebraska. It could be Little Rock, Arkansas. And it's tiring. The crazy thing is, is that a lot of us recognize that no matter who you are, if you are a black man in America, you will always be reminded as such and not in a good way. It doesn't make a difference how much money you've got, how smart you are, how accomplished you are. Tabo Cephalosha was playing in the NBA and got his leg broken by a New York cop for no good reason. Just felt he could. George Floyd laid on the ground saying, I can't breathe. He was calling out for his mother. And these cops couldn't have cared less. They sat there with smug looks on their faces with his knee pinned on the back of his neck. Eric Garner was supposedly selling loose cigarettes. And they felt the need that he had to die. Because of this. Trayvon Martin was just walking home from the store. And got followed home by a guy named George Zimmerman. Who then killed him because he felt it was his need to question why he was there. Ahmad Arbery was running through a neighborhood in Georgia. On a day no different than the one that we're experiencing outside right now in Philadelphia. He's going for a run, for a walk, for a jog, whatever. He happens upon an abandoned house construction site and two men saw fit to treat him like a criminal and people have tried and tried in vain to frame him as a criminal but he's not he's no different from anybody else he gets killed in broad daylight middle of the day in America in 2020 and people try to smear his name because that's what happens when black men such as myself are killed. We have to, you have to justify it somehow. That's what makes the Amy Cooper thing on Memorial Day so galling and so egregious. That's what makes Tom Austin, that viral video that you've been seeing out of Minneapolis, by the way, of him accosting these four young men in a gym demanding to see their ID and proof that they need to be there. I don't even know what to say. We don't owe you an explanation for where we are. But it's so ingrained in the, race, in the racial and racist history of this country that black people, black men in particular, have to vouch for being where we are at all times. And the fact that people feel that they can come up on us and demand to know why we're here. Please let it be known. If you don't actually own the building that I'm in, I'm not going to tell you why I'm there. I owe you no explanation. None. None. And the idea that you have to explain yourself. Oh, well, we've, we've had a lot of burglaries and a lot of robberies in the area, and you fit the description. Bullshit. Now, often they say that. Oh, there's been a lot of robberies and crime in the area and they were just being extra vigilant. Then you find out there hasn't been a crime in the area in six months or a year and they just made it up. But it's so easy to cast this being black as a license to be scared. I have a tweet on Twitter at J Scott Smith. That's my Twitter handle that has gone incredibly viral where all I did was essentially retweet. An AP photo from the other night in Minneapolis before all the rioting and everything started in Minneapolis of police hitting protesters with tear gas and rubber bullets. The same police in Minneapolis who stood idly by two weeks ago when people were storming the Capitol with guns and getting in their faces and challenging them. They stood there. But people are protesting the killing of a a man in his 40s, and you tear gas him. And I simply said that none of that energy was evident two weeks ago when people had AR-15s. I don't like the fact that that's a tweet of mine that goes incredibly viral. I would much prefer that a tweet that, I don't know, about sports goes viral or a tweet about my podcast goes viral. But this is where we are. It's tough. I hurt every day emotionally. It cuts like a knife every day knowing that for 40 years I've lived my life and no one really sees me as being safe. I've had to change my voice. I've had to watch what I wear. I've had to watch how I speak. The Amy Cooper thing triggered something in me even more than George Lloyd. Because I hate to say it this way, George Lloyd is a travesty and a tragedy. What happened to him, just like everybody else I listed off earlier, what happened to him is a tragedy. What Amy Cooper tried to do to Christian Cooper is more common in daily life than people want to acknowledge. Because I've dealt with that. I've been called scary and threatening by some white woman who, didn't, who, who couldn't get her way. So she's going to find a way to paint me as the villain. Except I didn't have video of her doing it. There's so many black men who've walked into workplaces, walked into stores, walked up and down the street. Where we have to deal with that. All the time. My blackness is not a crime. My skin color is not a crime. My life, my existence is not a crime nor a threat to you. But you make it as such. I've done multiple episodes that have focused on this. And I don't I don't have an answer. The reason I say I don't have an answer is because people aren't willing to address it. At least not peacefully. People aren't willing to actually address it with a level of maturity. People want to put their head in the sand. People want to call for forgiveness and it's not everybody and thoughts and prayers and all this this bullshit. No, I'm not trying to hear it. We need to actually have real answers, not just from federal government agencies. We have to get to the point where Reflexively defending police killings of black men stops. We, we have to get to the point where demanding black people, black men, young and old, identify themselves to you. When we are minding our own business in a grocery store or a gym or walking in a park or walking into an office building for a doctor's appointment or or going to get something at the DMV or whatever, we shouldn't have to identify ourselves to some random ham and egger who's uncomfortable because his racism is starting to get to him. Being a black man in America should not be a crime. And yes, Black women, I understand you deal with it too, but I'm speaking for my experience right now. So me speaking for my experience doesn't discount or dismiss yours. But I have been trailed and harassed by police. I have been followed around stores. I have been cast as the angry, aggressive, violent guy in newsrooms when I spoke up. For no other reason than because of this. If you're not watching in the video feed, it's because I'm black. And you can do everything to, quote, alter your voice. You can wear as many three-piece suits as you want. You can have as many degrees. You can come from the best household, live in the best possible city, live in the best family structure, have both parents there, have... Every opportunity in the world. But there will always be someone to remind you that you're black and you don't belong here. And we need to get to the point where that stops. And to my fellow journalists, my black journos out there, a lot of us have got an Amy Cooper in our newsroom. And they ain't all white, by the way. But a lot of us have had an Amy Cooper or two or three in our newsrooms. A lot of us have had an Amy Cooper in our lives. And a lot of us have had to go through extra hoops, even as reporters, to make sure that you got your credential out front. To make sure that you've got all the identifying markers that you are a reporter and that you're supposed to be there. It's a subconscious thing. Especially if you're a black male reporter. It's a subconscious thing because you know the question will be asked, why are you here? My black journals out there, I'm going to put this very bluntly. If you aren't saying something about this, if you aren't covering this honestly, not objectively, honestly, it's a betrayal of your ethics. It's a betrayal of what you claim to stand for. Point blank. I did a master's thesis on journalism ethics. People will try to find someone to offer a counterpoint of both sides, a something to this. You don't let them do it. Oh, but Jay, they're journalists. We're supposed to be objective and look at every side of the argument. Here's the problem with that line of thinking. A lot of arguments do have two sides. In fact, every argument has two sides. But a majority of those arguments, the two sides are the right side and the wrong side. And I'm not going to sit here looking to try to validate the wrong side of racism. I won't do it. I'll call it like it is. It's not biased to point out racism. It's not biased to point out the effect that racial violence has on our society. I get emotional thinking about these things because I always think that if not for one or two moments, I could easily have been George Lloyd or Mike Brown, or Ahmad Arbery, or Breonna Taylor, or Trayvon Martin, or Emmett Till, or Malice Green, or Rodney King. You get where I'm saying. You get where I'm going. You could end up being, I'm a to do Diallo. You get what I'm saying. What happened to George Floyd was a travesty. What Amy Cooper tried to do to Christian Cooper is travesty. Ahmaud Aubrey and Brianna Taylor needlessly dead. So many others who don't have the, and I hate to put it this way, didn't have the privilege of, of what happened to them being done on video. Point blank. So many people deal with this, but it's about time y'all start to deal with it. I am not just a journalist. I'm not just a professor. I'm not just Someone with multiple degrees. I'm not someone who came from a good home. I'm not somebody who's fought my way through so many issues. I'm not someone who grew up in Detroit or lives in Philadelphia or went to Michigan State University. I'm a black man first. And I'm not ashamed of that. But it also won't be used as a weapon against me either. Period. This country needed to do better for people like George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and Amadou Diallo and Sean Bell and Trayvon Martin and Emmett Till and Rodney King and Malice Green and everyone else. We got to do better. And this ain't easy. It's tough. I get on a microphone and do news. I get on this microphone and do this podcast. I get up in front of a room full of college students who are in their 20s and late teens. And what they've grown up with is seeing so many of us on video getting killed, getting shot, getting harassed. And it's the same thing that got passed to my generation that saw Rodney King get beat, that saw Malice Green lose his life. The same thing that comes from the generation before us that went through the civil rights movement. And the generation that preceded them that dealt with Jim Crow. It's been Racism is not simply baked into our psyche. It's something that is passed down generation to generation. And each generation gets a different version of it. And this is what we're experiencing right now. And that needs to stop. I can't look out into a classroom, whether it's virtual or in person, to a bunch of college students and tell them that this world is fair. And tell them that they have to sit back and keep quiet. And don't talk about these things, don't address these things head on for fear of losing a job, for fear of getting ostracized, for fear of somebody with a stick up their ass about ethics telling them that it's unethical and you're biased, screw you. It's more unethical to not talk about it. It's more unethical to not call a spade a spade because if you pull that punch, you'll pull a punch on anything else. My blackness is not a crime. My blackness is... Is not a license to kill. I know what you'll do to me. And I'm prepared for it. So I try to avoid. All instances. Of what could happen to me. I hope. That this reaches some. Mm, I get. Sorry. I hope that this reaches somebody. I hope that this reaches you. I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're well. I hope that you're vigilant. When I say the phrase, stay ready, it's part of what I mean. I had to say something today because everything has been so bottled up the last couple of days. The Amy Cooper thing enough just had me in knots. And then later on in the same day to see, then put the knee into the, the cop puts his knee in the back of, in the back of George Floyd's neck. While that other cop basically is acting like a fake tough guy toward the people who are videotaping it and dismissing his cries for help. This country owes us a lot. And we're owed. A, we're, we're, George Floyd deserves so much better than that. We've all deserved so much better than that. And here's hoping at some point we can finally start to get better. Thank you for listening to this. I appreciate you allowing my stream of consciousness here to kind of go. Rest in peace to George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and all the names that we don't know, that weren't videotaped, that weren't caught on audio tape, that aren't out there known to the masses, who've been shot dead either by a cop or by some overzealous vigilante, and to people who feel the need to walk up on other black folks If we're in store, if we're coming into a building, if we're going to a gym, if we're going to a school, just to talk to somebody. For those of you out there who feel the need to try to question our presence in a place, don't. Mind your business and check your racism at the door. Thanks a lot for your support, y'all. I'll check in with you pretty soon, and we'll have episode 114 ready as soon as possible. Till next time, be good to each other, and goodbye, everyone. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself and later killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob.